Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. So I'm sitting here in a brand new venue that's got Tasmanians pretty excited. Why? Well, the reputation is building about this place and the words destination venue are being thrown around by people like me. I've been to a few breweries in my life and I have to say that Deep South Brewing, a few minutes walk from Hobart CBD is right up there. For the most part, the trend in recent years has been to keep it pretty simple, with tap rooms at new breweries, you know, concentrating on producing great beer and getting creative in building a bar to save some cash out of sort of whatever they could find, and then feeding the patrons with a food truck. Not Deep South Brewing, this place is schmick. 12 taps of beer from the brewery and a few friends as well. A serious wine list and the food, well, we can touch on that later. Anyway, this new venue is the brainchild of a few Tassie mates, and one of them happens to be an OG of the Tassie brewing scene, ex-Moo Brew times two and Templehead brewer Dave McGill. And the great man just happens to be sitting in front of me right now with a pint of beer. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. We've got the, the new beers that we're drinking mm. out of pints on a uh, Wednesday afternoon in uh, these plush, plush offices here at Deep South. Uh <laughs> It's nice to be with you, mate, after what's Likewise. probably been one of the uh, most joyous years of your life, I'm right. Yeah, it's, um, that'd be one way to describe it, mate. It's definitely been a year, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's been it a feels, bit tough. Yeah, yeah, it feels like, um, feels like a lot longer. It all sort of started uh, in, well, it started over two years ago. My daughter wasn't even born when this oh. the conversation started about this. And um, yeah, so it's been... Oh, that's my There day. goes the phone. We're, we're going pretty much live here today. So we've got music in the background, phones are ringing. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. It's all good. Yeah, um, it started as a conversation uh, between myself and uh, Warwick Davison and Benny Drew, who are uh, my two business partners, and yep. Tassie Inn. Yep. And um, it was actually their idea, not my idea. They uh, they said they wanted to build a brewery and wanted to do a brew pub. And um, I remember coming home after the meeting and and had a chat to my wife about it. And she's like, you know, what do the boys want? And I was like, oh, they want to build a brewery. I was like, everyone wants oh, to build a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went away to Beer Week and judged and uh, lost a few brain cells, no doubt, over there. And <laughs> came back and, and they are still dead set serious about it. So, yeah, say. the conversation started sort of mid-2019. Yeah, mm. okay, okay. When I started writing the notes this week, I, I obviously always look back at things I've done in the past to try and find stuff to talk about, and I realised it was back in way back in episode 20 that we spoke, which is mm. quite a while ago, mm. uh, probably even before that decision was made, I would imagine. Mm. Um, so if anyone wants to listen to your background, they can listen to that one. You, you go through and do a lot of detail in that one. But there is one question I want to pose to you about your past. Uh, is it true that Cryo Malt's John Burridge has been your brewing muse and maybe the inspiration for your entire career? One hundred percent. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say no, but I thought he might be hurt by that because he certainly claims that publicly that uh, without him there is no you. That's very true. Yes, we are one, really. Like right, we've worked together for a long time, and uh, you know what Burridge is doing now with the IBA and uh, yeah, he's doing and well. Cry, he's doing a, a fantastic job. 
Yeah, I don't want to go too uh, deep with too many niche Tasmanian references tonight, <laughs> but there'll probably be a few because, I mean, you're pretty well entrenched in the community down here and yeah. um, as are your, your business partners for Deep South. So, I mean, why did you want to get into debt? I mean, not get into, start a brewery with these two blokes. Was there something special about them or was it just the fact that they came to you with it? Um, yeah, look, it's interesting. I've had conversations with quite a few other people and, you know, I know yep. that a lot of people around the industry probably thought that it would have been myself and, and Ben Hickey that were going to do something. Yes, if yep. anyone was going to do something from the whaler. And, yep. um, and you know, Benny and I had definitely had conversations about it, but there probably hadn't been the right time, you know. Like, yep. um, you know, Benny's got three kids under the age of seven and two venues and, you know, he's a busy man. And, yeah. Um, the boys just sort of, I know, I actually tried to get uh, Benny Daru to work for me at Moobrew many, many moons ago. Yep. Him and I worked together at Mona and uh, and he was a chef there. And then, um, yeah, I tried to get him to come and be an assistant brewer for me. And um, yeah, the Barca went and was a Red Bull rep for 12 months. <laughs> oh, so, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then he came back and he sort of started looking after the Tassie Inn. And, and um, they were probably the first guys that had the skill sets across the board. I probably wouldn't have done this kind of venture if, it, if we didn't have a chef as a business partner. Yep. Um, for sure. Um, and Warwick's got really solid front of house. Um, yep. And um, yeah, so it sort of yeah, some of those sort of um, you know, things that were in the back of my mind fell into place um, yeah, okay. pretty comfortably. Yeah, Yeah. cool. Well, we're sitting inside a, an old warehouse that used to be home to Bright Motorcycles. Look them up. I'm not sure if they actually still exist, but God rest their soul. Uh, but it looks nothing like what it was when they were running the joint. Nothing. No, no. no. I think the um, yeah, there's, we gutted the whole place. So obviously, when we our investor bought the building in January 2020, uh, COVID hit not long after that, which obviously <laughs> um, you know shut the boys pub down. Yep. Uh, you know, through Moobrew into Turmoil, uh, but gave us probably a little bit of um, space for the boys to be able to sort of come in here and myself and, and start to pull the place apart and yeah yeah so we gutted the whole building and um there was literally not an electrical cable or wall left in the building by the oh, time wow. we started this so yeah. so who had the vision because obviously you've been around the beer industry for a long time you've been to great places like little creature mm. stomping ground and wherever else these guys have got different experiences so was it a shared vision or was it like okay i want to create this and then okay ben you're going to handle the ben isn't it yep, yep. ben you're yep. going to handle the the kitchen yep and, and let me Warwick, handle the rest. Yeah, Warwick. and Warwick do front of house. Yeah. So not like it was weird. Um, not weird, but we were actually looking at a venue that was behind here, um, which was an old uh, events party hire place. And we were standing there with a the real estate agent and um, he said, oh, if you want direct access to Argyle Street, then this building might come up for sale. Yep. Um, and we were like, well, bugger having direct access to Argyle Street. We want the building. So we walked in and straight away, um, we knew that this was going to be the place, you know, yep. like um, it definitely had its challenges, but it's just the old warehouse with the big timber beams and stuff like that. Yeah, um, Benny cool. and I, probably more so than Warwick, Warwick probably admits that it took him a little while to come around to it. <laughs> um, uh, but I'd always had a vision in my head about um, sort of what, if I was ever going to do something by myself, sort of what it would look like. Um, and I think we were all sort of on that same page. Yeah. yeah. So then we, yeah, we sort of drew it up. Um, the three of us sort of drew up where we what we thought was going to happen, and we were lucky enough to get the mezzanine level in as well, which is good. Which and, is awesome. Yeah, yeah. there's beautiful heaters out there tonight. Yeah. nice to see them in there. <laughs> yeah. um, did you ever use the word destination venue? Because for me, that's what this thing feels like. Mm. 
probably not the actual word destination venue. What we wanted to do was create. Is that because it's wanky? Is it market, no, market I mean, mate, <laughs> mate, talk about wanky. We, we just basically wanted to create a hospitality space. So yeah. we wanted to create a really inclusive environment that didn't cater just towards, um, you know, craft beer enthusiasts um, or just stainless steel buffs or whatever it might be. We wanted to make sure that, you know, obviously with the debt that we have, we need everyone to come here and everyone yeah. to feel inclusive <laughs> and craft beer, you know, breweries create a sense of place and I and I really firmly believe that um, people take a little bit of ownership over their local breweries and yep. stuff like that and that's probably something that, you know, I, I remember going to Little Creatures in 19... 19- 98 maybe I think was yep. one of the first times I was at Little Creatures in Freo and I mean it's still the OG like I yeah. mean they don't get any better oh, than absolutely. that like, yeah, um, no, I agree. Yeah. you know probably nowadays you know the modern versions of that are you know stomping around and a few of those kind of places mm. kicking around so yeah Sorry to interrupt just a couple of things you can do if you want to help spread this craft beer gospel First up Apple Podcasts if you've got it on your phone find the beer here interviews Scroll all the way down to the bottom, rate, review, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help me out. Other than that, whatever podcast player you listen to this on, follow me or subscribe to me on that one. And then also find me on Instagram and follow me there. Thanks for your help. You've mentioned great debt that you're in. Um, there are cheaper <laughs> ways to do this, like, you know, the old model of finding a warehouse behind a roller door and throwing a sort of a simple bar there and just sort of feeding the punters with food trucks, that sort of thing. But why, why did you want to go so big? Because you could have probably done it a lot simpler. We could have. Um, I tend not to do things. I, the only thing I tend to do uh, simply is brew. Um, yep. I, I tend to brew pretty simple beers. Um, but we, I've spent a lot of time in hospitality. Like I spent a lot of time in hospitality before being a brewer. And yep. um, I know that Ben and both Ben and Warwick have, you know, spent a lot of time um, interstate and overseas and worked in hospitality venues over there. Yep. And I feel like if we were going to do something, there's a lot of competition around. We probably yeah. needed to try and set the benchmark for what this kind of brewery slash hospitality space would would yeah. look like. Um, and we kind of feel that this space probably hasn't been done in Hobart before. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. I've been here a few times now, and. I bought Mrs. Beer here in a few weeks mm. ago and we both agreed as we sat there gazing lovingly into each other's <laughs> eyes. She's still so in love with this beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> She's we, only human, mate. Yeah, that's right. We, we agreed that calling it a brewery feels like it might be selling a little bit short because for me, this is a it's a beer hall, place community, uh, a meeting spot for, for all sorts, all walks of life. It just happens to have a bunch of stainless steel out the back that fills the taps. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, for sure. Um, Jamie Cook from Stone and Wood hates the term brew pub, yep. um, and I sort of, I sort of liken that. Um, I, I don't even think even if you've got a, I think a pub is a totally different thing to to a brewery. I think yep. if you have a brewery and food trucks, um, and so forth, then I think that's probably a, it's not a brew pub in the sense. You know, yep. I feel yep. pubs are, I feel the Tasmanian's a pub, and it's yep. a really great pub, and and I love going to pubs. Um, I feel the Great Northern <laughs> in Melbourne is a pub. You yeah. know, like and. And they're important places, um, but they're different to, um, you know, what what is on offer. And, you know, both Ben and Warwick have got a lot of horsepower, and I feel that if we had have done something that they weren't 100% um, challenged yeah. by, we probably would have run out of steam. You know, we talk about this one being the, this will be the only one that we do. This, this will be the only brewery slash hospitality space that we do. Um, we may go into business together in, not, you know, later on down the track, but this will be the last brewery I build. Mm. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Was was community important for you in building this thing? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, North Hobart, I feel, has the potential to um, really step up, and I feel that there's a few venues yep. that have, you know, like obviously T Bone is just around the corner, and uh, we got the Winston, which, you know, Winston changed the face of um, hospitality, yeah. and, um, you know, William Brothers is the same, and, you know, so it's densely populated on a residential basis um, as well, which is good. Um, but yeah, the community was definitely important. Yeah, yeah, I haven't worked in town for a long time either, actually. Most yeah. of my jobs have been outside of town. So, yeah, true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Northern suburbs, yeah. yeah. Um, communities need to be fed, and you have gone in pretty deep with the kitchen, <laughs> yeah. haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's even an air conditioner in the kitchen, actually, which all the, all the chefs that walk in give Benny shit about the fact that uh, he's got an air conditioner in the kitchen. But wow, that is big. Yeah. yeah. We've got a, a Italian wood fire pizza oven, and, um, you know, shout out to the Port Signet Cannery because they've got the same oven and I went down there one day and yep. um, with Deep South in mind and um, and uh, yeah um, the guy down there was sort of really forthcoming and we got the last of that particular oven in the country and they don't bring any more in now so yep. um, does make a great pizza too I can say yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's good and um and then the other part of the kitchen was to make sure that we didn't just pigeonhole ourselves into just pizza and beer you know like yep. and um and Benny's obviously got a lot of experience um and you know, so more of a shared sort of vibe for the kitchen, yep. um, which has been really good. Mm. Yeah, no, when we were here that night, there was a whole bunch of different share plates going around. Yeah, yeah. Um, pizzas were outstanding, uh, lots of smiles from people and nodding as they were trying Ooh. the food, and that was sort of only fairly early on. Ooh. So obviously, it's only going to get better as the, the kitchen finds its straps and sure. all that sort of thing. Yeah, um, just going back to the, com the community, like let's talk about the brewing community because as you said, there's a few around here. Do the other Hobart brewers see you as competition or as part of a larger wave of bringing drinkers to ta to North Hobart, to Tassie, and, and maybe adding credibility to the scene? Because I, I feel like that's what you you bring with what you've done in the past. You know, yeah. not as a brewer, but also as part of the IBA. That's the thing that yeah. bringing real credibility to the Tassie scene in general. Yeah, look, mate, it's been super humbling, actually, like uh, when we talk about the community, because when I left um, Moo, then, you know, I ended up, uh, obviously this place, we were expecting to open this place in December 2000. Just a little bit early. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that, that sort of, you know, we, we all know how that story went. But, um, you know, Cornell, you know, like I, I, I worked as a brewer for Cornell at Shambles and, yep. um, you know, he let me into, um, you know, like I needed to uh, stole all his recipes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And, and, other breweries, you know, like I went from being sort of the caretaker with Moo and being able to provide a lot of support to other breweries because we had the resources and we've been around for such a long time and whether that be tap systems or, you know, we had a lot more malt kicking around so we always had spare bags for other brewers or, you know, that kind of stuff and, and I'm that new startup brewery now yeah. that everyone else has looked after. That's cool. Um, I've got a pallet downstairs that I need to give back to Cornell um, that's probably got... 20 or 30 bags of grain on it, you know, like, yeah. um, and that was, you know, he gave me the, you know, the, the specialty malt that, that we brewed the first ever beers with here and stuff like that. So the community's yeah. been, um, you know, and, and I don't think anyone sort of, you know, well, no one said directly to me that they've seen it as competition, but um, no, no, yeah. I think that, um, you know, um, hospitality in its nature is going to be um, in some way competitive, but the more, people that we can keep up at this end of town, then um, the better, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and so, you know, we've talked about doing the North Hobart Beer Mile or, you know, whatever that might be yeah, or something yeah. like that. How know? good like, would that be? I was yeah. looking at it today, because we obviously talked about 
the Hobart beer, sorry, the Tassie beer trail in the past didn't quite set the world on fire. But uh, you know, a Hobart Town Brewers walking trail would be sensational. I looked at it, so within two kilometres, you got Hobart Brewing, mm. Captain Bly's, Shambles, T Bone, Winston, Fox Friday, and yourselves. If I'm a beer lover coming to Hobart, I'm spoiled for choice within a two kilometre span. Mm. It's just brilliant. Yeah. You've yeah. got to do something similar maybe to what they've done in Collingwood. I think I mentioned to you the other week at the IBA. I mean, Collingwood have done a great beer trail where they've also joined up with um, art galleries and things like that. Yeah. Like, that would be brilliant. Yeah, I remember I heard your podcast with Nick about yeah. that from Molly Rose and um, obviously you're spending a lot of, I've spent a lot of time. And again, you know, when I when we built Temple, you know, that was, uh, it feels like, a, that was only 10 years ago and it feels like a world ago, you know, like it yeah. feels like that, that that wouldn't have even happened 10 years ago. But now yeah. because of Stomping Ground and Bod Riggy and Molly Rose and all those kind of breweries kicking around in that area, and they're all still really close to where Temple was as well and Thunder Road and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's definitely, um, and we talked about it in the IBA, um, everyone has different sort of expectations about what they get out of their businesses. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're in a local area, um, and you're sort of, you know, leveraging off the same kind of clientele, then you can maybe hone that down into having um, similar interests, you know? Like we've yeah. got similar interests as T-Bone and Shambles and yep. Chris from the Winston and Fox yeah. Friday. Mm. Yeah, I've talked to others in other areas that have talked about this kind of thing where they say, come and have a point with us and then we'll direct you to the next one and then we'll yeah. direct you to the next one. It's a real community thing and yeah. you know, everybody shares it. It's not about capturing that one person for the their entire session if you like for sure sharing yeah. it around because it's going to build the industry for for everybody which yeah. is a nice thing yeah that's exactly right yeah. yeah um i feel like that kind of thing might might be becoming more prevalent because it's sort of in a day where beer festivals we spoke about this the other week where mm. you know they feel like they're kind of dead almost or, mm. or very very difficult to pull together because of shutdowns or new restrictions and those sorts of things um I'm just wondering whether maybe venues like what you've got here might actually be the future. I mean, you could run a mini beer festival within this building and have three or four breweries uh, with their beers on tap and have those brewers here and have a really great feel and have those intimate conversations that I mm. think are the best thing about beer festivals. 100%. And that's what we, I guess that's what we miss about beer festivals and, you know, for the people that have, um, and not just as far as the punters are concerned, but I mean, you were at Gab's obviously this year and stuff like that. And the fact that people like Stirls and Scotty and that kind of stuff are still there, like, yeah. gives so much weight to the context of some of those festivals, you know? Like, yeah. because, I mean, Stirls doesn't need to be there. No one's going to know. Everyone's going to go to Bolter and drink Bolter's beers, whether or not Stirls and Scotty are there yeah. anyway. But yeah. they're there because they see worth in the actual festival and they see worth in having those conversations with the punters because that's yeah. where we all started and that's how we all started yeah. doing this thing. Yeah. And so it was just as enjoyable for the brewers is what it was for, um, you know, is what it was for the punters. And, yeah. um, and I mean, you know, Taste of Tasmania, I mean, geez, we went through, we had a Taste of Tasmania one year with Moobra, we went through 115 kegs, you know, Shit. and Burridge would <laughs> be testament to that. But, um, you know, and so, but those days are gone, you know, like, I don't believe that they're ever gonna be um, where the they side. are. And, I, and nah. I feel that, but I feel that um, it's not just the, um, festival that's gone it's the um narrative that's changed a little bit yeah. in craft beer as well we so. need to find a, have it find a new way uh, you weren't there because you i don't know if you're invited but <laughs> probably were but probably were too busy doing wine trials or something but will tatchell from van diemen had his from the wilderness mini beer festival a few years ago on his property um and it, it might actually be the best 
beer festival I've ever been to and there's probably only 50 people there, small, uh, intimate. We had great conversations. You know, there's four brewers, I think, they were there. We are just talking back and forth. Um, we don't all have farm acreage to do an event like that, but <laughs> I just feel like you could have that same communal vibe in here within these, you know, four walls. For sure, and look, that's something that we can, you know, I mean, even just spitballing that idea, we run it over a series of the last Saturday of every month for four, four months, and we run the entire all the different breweries, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. we've got 12 tuts. And that's something that we're not um, scared about embracing here. You know, we've got other we've got black hops on at the moment, and um, and acacia, and um, you know, we've um, you know, I'm not, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to pour other people's beers as well. Yep. Um, and there's some other brewers that are always going to do things better than I ever do, and um, and so I'd rather showcase their beers than trying to make a really average version of something that they're, they're that's really fair good enough. At. Fair mm. enough. Um, speaking of a great venue, like. If people jump on your Instagram, they'll see what this place looks like. They'll get a real feel for it because it's mm. it's something special. But I feel like it's got to really be experienced in person, uh, in my opinion. Mm. Um, the details around this joint seem to be really important to you. Is that is that right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, shout out to Seb Godfrey from um, Overseas Studios, who's done all our uh, design work. Yep. Seb's an ex Tassie boy. He's lived in Melbourne for a really long time. Um, a good mate of mine. Uh, who took all the photos here, Adam Gibson. I asked him uh, if he was gonna do some brand work for us and he actually said uh, that he just takes photos nowadays and uh, yep. and, and highlighted Seb. And, and so we had a we had a conversation with Seb um, really early on and, um, and his attention to detail and our attention to detail sort of uh, melded well together. Yep. And, um, yeah, yeah. and he actually sort of just off conversations, um, took the whole design and brand and, and sort of ran with it and just nailed it, you know. Like yeah, he he really the, has. Yeah, one of the first times he even set foot in this venue because obviously, you know, don't forget that he's been locked down for basically the last 12 months. Yep. So um, he actually made it here uh, just before we opened and we had a, a couple of special licenses before we opened and, you know, he had his family here and oh, nice. it was a really special moment. Like, he, you know, he got to see that... Um, all his hard work it sort of paid off in the in the venue that you'd been looking at so as a marketer I love the fact that you've gone deep in that that area because you know often you'll start a brewery you think up a funny name or whatever and you might slap a logo together and it's it's often an afterthought because it's expensive Mm. Um, people aren't always great at it they're better Mm. at brewing the beer or or serving hospital that sort of thing but um, the branding is is really interesting Um, and as I said, it's more than just slapping the logo on the beer. It's, you know, you've got clever names and all sort of thing, but it's, it's just more that there's intricacies in the design. There's elements that are brought through to the venue and the tap decals and all that sort of stuff yeah. for the names of the beers. Um, tell us about the names of the beers because they're, they're pretty unique. Yeah, they are. So we sort of, um, it took us a long time. The name was one of the hardest things we uh, we had to come up with. And uh, Warwick actually had, um, he came up with Dead South and then... Um, and then we sort of, we obviously the connotation with dead when we were looking at branding yeah. was a bit <laughs> hard. Um, and then, um, and then deep south sort of came about, and um, and then we always knew we wanted to liken it. One of the stories that stuck in my mind for a long time was Dave Benighton from Mountain Goat said one day that um, that a mountain goat stands up on a steep rocky thing and doesn't really fall over, and that was that was oh. what they wanted their brand to be. And yep. And for us, uh, with Deep South, obviously we spend a lot of time, I do a lot of sailing, we spend a lot of time off the southwest coast of Tassie, and um, 
it doesn't matter. Those islands have been there and withstood the test of time. And, yeah. and so a lot of these names that we've named places from are about the fact that, you know, the craft beer industry at the moment is, is super crazy. And uh, we just kind of wanted a steady business that would yeah. sort of stand up through that. So that yeah. was... Um, that was where we started getting the names from. Um, you know, so Pedro, obviously Pedro Ranka. And when you, you know, when we go right into the brand, the actual sort of line drawings um, actually represent the flora and fauna that are on the islands. So, oh, nice. you know, like this, this um, a skink that lives on Pedra. Um, yep. That's the only place in the world that this particular oh, skink wow. lives. And, you you have know, a, yeah, and there's a snake that lives on um, on Black Rock, which we haven't really done anything about yet. Um, we're gonna release this out soon. But, um, and then some of, the, some of the other lines with like some of the particular varieties of kelp and so forth like that, Seb's gone proper down the rabbit hole and started cool. drawing up those kind of line cool. drawings. So those line drawings all have references to the flora and fauna. That and then they're on the, the tap dust. decals and then on the windows and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, windows yeah. and tap decals and t-shirts and yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I, I always think that you, as you go through life, you learn stuff, you take little lessons along mm. and stuff sticks in the back of your memory. And I can't help but think that maybe you've taken the lead from your days at Moo where you had that unique artwork from John Kelly that adorned your, your bottles and the labels and, and there was a real storytelling and a lot of detail around that brand and everything that sat around that in terms of the, you know the wine, the art, the museum. Did you subconsciously sort of think back to your day? I mean, you're wearing a Moo t-shirt right I now with one of the designs right on there. Yeah. Um, did, did you subconsciously think I want to repeat what I did there or was it just... This is how it sort of organically came through. No, I, th I feel that Moo, um, I wasn't part of um, that initial process. You know, I came into Moo after that, after the die being cast with that. Yep. I yep. lived and breathed it and bled it for a really long time and still do. I still fundamentally believe in it. I yep. still believe that we all struggle to tell the story with John Kelly um, and the iconoclastic side of, of his artwork. And I feel that that was probably lost a little bit in translation and I know that AJ would back me up on that and and, and, and as general manager and head brewer of Moo I still feel that we still failed to really come across and tell the story of John Kelly and, yep. and the artwork behind it. This one I felt that um, this is a much more personal connection for me like yep. um, and I've seen all the islands and reefs that we, we talk about and yeah, been there and, yeah. and when we do um, you know when we launch the cans and so forth um, and stuff like that um, you know, there'll be times in photo shoots that we're going to get down there and, and I'll oh, be nice. in the water and, and yep. do that, much to my wife's disgust about yeah. getting the water down at Pedro. But, <laughs> Again. Um, <laughs> she's not real stoked about that. But, um, nah. So this one, but the, there were some things with Moo, and I think not just Moo though, but we see the consistency of Bolter or Stone and Wood. Their branding is always really consistent. You know, yeah. like, um, and that was something that we, we wanted to make sure that we carried through here. You know, yeah. like that every time we do something every time and Seb gets it every time we put our logo on something Seb's like I'll do it you know like we had a construction right. logo out the front for the architect yep. and, and the building company and and Seb did that to make sure that it's it's on brand you know like so um, that I definitely dragged from the movie yeah, days that, and, and that sort of branding and that, that's, that's something um, yeah big thing if you're a brand manager you know like always making sure that your brand is represented I don't want a photocopied version of it or someone that's sort of got it in Microsoft Paint and slightly tweak the aspect ratio of it and yeah, make it look yeah, yeah. skew if I it's mean, important yeah to the point where our diamond for yep. 
it's a 40 degree diamond. So normally yep. that's not 40, normally it's 33, 30, whatever it is, the diamond, but our diamond's 40 degrees because it's basically 40 degrees south. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so he's gone down that far down the rabbit hole. Jeez, hasn't he, hasn't he? Mm. You, you have certainly paid attention to detail and it would, it would be remiss of me not to mention the awesome hardwood tables that are all around uh, yeah. this place that you and your old man <laughs> pulled together. You've got skills that are a little bit greater than maybe grade nine woodwork class, haven't you, in, in terms of woodworking? Yeah, we were lucky with that. My old man's been, um, been right into that kind of stuff for a long time. And it's funny, actually, my brother is, um, and he was part of the, the tables as well. And we had Duncan. Aiden. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and we had Aiden Howlett do the, the steel bases. But um, the tabletops, my old man let me screw them down and and let me spend a lot of time on the sander. Oh, um, hold on. Oh, right. And, when um, you first spoke about it, you said, we made these tabletops. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, we did, yeah, but he we, did all like, the detail. No, no, we, we <laughs> there is, a, yeah, there's definitely a story to that. So we, we um, uh, you know, like I sourced the timber, I worked out the gaps and all the other kind of stuff and, and I managed to screw them down, um, sanded them, and then I think it was after the second coat of varnish that went on them, the old man looked up at me and went, David, I'm not firing you, but just let me do it myself. <laughs> and mate, he painted every fucking table by himself. Uh, oh, they're painted, not sprayed. They, yeah, that's oh, right. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They're rolled yeah. and tipped and brushed and the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, nice. He's uh, gone. He's, um, yeah, he's got a, uh, he's got a very much woodwork OCD illness that's genetic in our family, actually. They, so, are, they are beautiful. Uh, What's the timber? It's just Tazo. Yeah, yeah, I, thought, yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say Tazo, but I didn't want to make myself sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I no. thought that. Yeah, yeah. And that oh. was, you know, we had that sort of, again, the conversation with Benny and Warwick and stuff like that about the big communal tables. And, yeah, it's what you know, they Everything's are. big yeah. and heavy. And, you know, if, if somebody upturns one of those tables because they don't like the beers or something like that, then. then <laughs> good luck then, to them. Yeah, good luck to them. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, we sat around that one for the IBA yeah. uh, meeting the other night. Like, yeah. you know, it was really, it was communal in the in the private dining space. Yeah. Um, just beautiful yeah. timber, just beautiful. Yeah, I love it, I love it. Uh, well, it's, um, it's probably good that your dad fired you, could then concentrate on your beers, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, yeah. I, um, I remember messaging my brother and saying, you never guess what my old man did, because my brother and my old man built a 40-foot catamaran together over a series oh, wow. of years and stuff like that. Yeah, oh. yeah, and um, he was not surprised when uh, when I told him that yeah. the old man had kicked me off the tools. No, yeah. fair enough, well, <laughs> stick to what you know. That's exactly um, right. And, and the beers, so we've got the Break Sea Draft Lager, yep. Shark's Jaw IPA, the Flatwich XPA, and the Pedra Pale. I'm enjoying the Break Sea Draft Lager here tonight. Um, it wouldn't be surprised to anybody that knows you that you haven't gone anything too boundary pushing with, with your initial lineup, yeah. would it? No, not at all. Um, you know, we've got, um, we got serious bills to pay and, and serious consequences, you know, with the venue and-, yeah. and I know that we all talk about, um, yeah, we all talk about lactose-infused pastry <laughs> stouts and double upside down, quadruple, and they're awesome and they're really, really good, but they're not paying anyone's bills um, nah, at the no, end no. of the day. So yep. we all know that Parlour is still the biggest craft segment in craft beer, yep. um, and that um, people, we will eventually get to do those kind of beers for some people. Um, that will, and that's the reason why I designed the brewery the way I did. I designed it so is that the minimum batch length we can do is, um, you know, probably 800 to 1,000 litres is probably yep. the smallest batch we can do. Yep. Which is awesome because it means when I do decide to do one of those beers, then we don't have to make too much of it and yeah. can sit on one of the taps and we can move through it quickly. Yeah. Um, yep. But the, you know, the business model um, was to make sure that we were inclusive to everybody and, and hence that lineup. And, 
I also really like those styles of beer, you know? Like, I really, yeah. I really uh, enjoy just drinking a good pale ale. I remember sitting with AJ in, would have been 2004, when Moobrew was, you know, talking about Moobrew, and we're drinking Little Creatures Pale Ale, and we said, if we're going to make a pale ale this good, we would have made it, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and so those kind of beers are still inspirational, and we still see the biggest bulk beers are where, you know, everyone's moving, whether that be Black Ops or Stonewood yeah. or Bolter or anything like that. They're still consistent styles, yeah. you know? Like, um, yeah. So that's where that's where those ones came from, and, and, um, and we'll definitely push some boundaries at some stage. Um, what? Hold on, you're the bloke who famously said I wouldn't brew an IPA at Moo Brew. I oh, know, and then I brewed a 7.6% <laughs> IPA here, actually. I didn't mean it to be 7.6%, but the beer dried out a little bit more than I thought it was gonna dry out, so. Um, and look, and when I talk about pushing boundaries, we'll probably just do a really heavily hot hazy or yep. like, you know, like a Nipah or you yeah. know something like that. But you know, that there's a lot of other breweries out there that do really, really good things with lactose-infused pastry sours and stuff like that. That's their thing. Yours is more thing. sort of, I don't know, yeah. traditional Euro lagers, that yeah, sort of thing. Or just even just IPAs and big pails and, you yep. know, just beers that, um, that beers that have, um, that really balance molten hop is yep. really my thing. Like, yep. I find myself um, really searching eternally for that balance between molten hops, you know, yep. like, um, I'm not up for, um, I probably tend to dr probably drink too much when I drink beer and so um, I'm not up for like, I'll, I might have one of those sort of crazy beers and, yep. but I feel the skill in in the in being a brewer is to be able to make everyone enjoy beer, not just yep. pigeonhole into a certain other beer. Yep. Mm. So you've sort of run through your first batch of the, the four main beers. Uh, walking in tonight, you had been brewing the XPA. Yeah. And even then, you're you're tweaking that one already. Like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. You think you're going to be tweaking them for a little while yet? For sure. Yeah. I reckon the only... I, I dropped the booze on the IPA. I, I, I've only ever had a crack at... Um, I've brewed all of them twice now, just. Um, and uh, the pale was pretty early on. So I, I think I'll always tweak them. The all right, it's time for some honesty. By this stage of the interview, Dave and I had both polished off a pint. We were having a great conversation, as you can probably tell. Anyway, someone came into the room and Dave sort of gestured to them to go and grab us another pint and we got a little bit distracted and I just happened to look down at the iPhone that was recording the interview and I looked at it and I thought, hmm, that counter on that bloody thing isn't moving. What's going on here? And sure enough, at about the 37-minute mark or whatever it was, the uh, iPhone decided to just stop and stop the recording. Well, my calculations, there was about 15 minutes, I think, of audio that didn't get captured. So, and I was fucking spewing. So anyway, Dave, being the great sport that he is, helped me sort of, you know, re-ask those questions, try and pick up the conversation where we thought we'd left off on. Probably didn't get everything that we'd hoped for, but we did our best. And uh, here we go. Here's the last sort of 15 minutes or so of the conversation. Once again, I apologise, but what can you do? Um, you've been pouring the beers almost for a month or so now. How's the reaction been to the beers? Yeah, no, it's been good. Um, everyone keeps on asking where the stout is or the dark beer because it's the middle of winter. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, look, the rest of them have been really good. They've, um, again, like, you know, obviously only having one crack of brew them, I wrote most of the recipes while standing on the platform mashing in. I had sort of a half an idea about... <laughs> really? Yeah. On, the, on the fly? Yeah, no real sort of, no pilot batches or anything like that. I had an idea in my head about the hops and malt and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was just a matter of sort of feeling the brew house out and um, 
and seeing how it would perform and then how the beers would, you know, like, I mean, the, the XBA was never meant to be 5.3%, it was meant to be four and a half, but I bugged my calculations up halfway through and- um, Shit happens. And yeah, so I got to brew that again today and it'll be four and a half now, so yeah. 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 But yeah. Um, yeah, the I mean, the draft's obviously been really popular, you know, like it's um, an approachable beer for, for people that don't really want to, um, you know, have the tongue stick to the roof of their mouth and yeah, know, yeah. anyone wants to, uh, Sort of push the boundaries. The you know the IPA can seven point six percent, and um, you know yeah, put hands on your chest. Mm. What um, which was the first beer out of the four that you decided that you wanted to brew? The draft actually. The draft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to do um, uh, this particular draft because I knew this would be the beer that um, that you know a lot of people that that sort of around the area and stuff yep. like that. You know, we got a lot of. Mechanics and panel beaters and you know that kind of stuff that aren't necessarily into craft beer, but um, they they enjoy you know like the space and, and yeah. wanted to come in and have a beer. And the worst thing you can do is make someone feel stupid for what they taste. You know, like I hate the the whole like oh you don't get it because you don't drink you know this particular <laughs> yeah. thing. And whether yeah. that and we saw the wine industry really suffer from that and. Um, and that's something that I feel that we um, we definitely don't need in uh, the brewing industry. That's for sure. Yeah, no, that's mm. fair enough. Um, did you base the draft on on something in particular, or just like this is a recipe you had in your head, or mm. that you just made up on the spot while you're on the on the ladder? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, no, I didn't really base it on anything that we'd um, that we'd done before. Like um, it's um, it's got a fair bit of topaz in it, which um, I sort of I'd never used really before. And, yep. Um, I was interested in that hop. It's bitter with magnum. And it's got spalt as well, so it's. Um, yeah, quite that sort of Europeanish vibe. Um, was there a risk for you creating a brand new beer for the first time with the hop that you hadn't really used much before? Uh, I drank a lot of topaz, oh, so right. you know, like I think as a brewer, and again, you're probably not going to know how it performs in your system until you've tweaked it a few times in your yeah. system as well. I, I feel that for this beer, the water chemistry stuff that I've been going down the rabbit hole with, you know, like been able to sort of use salts to sort of give this. Uh, malt, you know, perceived malt bitterness and stuff, uh, malt sweetness, um, which is sort of um, been good because the beer is quite dry, but um, you sort of almost get like a sweet sort of multi note to it as well. Yeah. And, and so the water chemistry has been fun to play around with to sort of drag that out. As well. Is that something you're concentrating on more now, or have you done that past it move changing the uh, water chemistry? Well, I'm concentrating more now because, um, yeah, because they're all new shit recipes. Here or no, <laughs> no, 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 just, um, just because it's all new recipes, you know, like, and, um, we just knew how the brew house worked at, at Moo and um, and so yeah, it's been um, been fun to play with. I I still have no really, no idea what I'm doing about it really, but um, yeah, it's good, to, <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to it's good to tweak it and have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, Fair yeah. Um, we haven't touched on the kit. Tell us about the kit that you're brewing on now. So the kit is a um, twelve heck four vessel um, steam heated. Um, kit from China called a company called Zongru who um, good mate of mine Wilson Heed who lives over in um, China um, he sort of recommended a few different uh, manufacturers to me and these guys stood out because they built all the DME gear before DME went into receivership so um, yeah he um, recommended uh, these guys I touched base with them they're probably not the cheapest ones that are coming out of China but um, Alex the the bloke um, 
who the engineer that I dealt with was amazing. Um, and uh, his email handles Wanger, actually, which is um, <laughs> that's great, <laughs> which is absolute gold. I, I, it might be a bit lost on him. I haven't had that conversation <laughs> with him about it, but um, uh, he was exceptional. You know, he um, he had a really good handle on. He he was a little bit. Um, confused as to why I wanted a four vessel system that was so complicated um, with only a 12 heck system so only 1200 litre brewmates so yep. uh, he was like why wouldn't you just have a, a mash water combined oh, okay. and stuff like that yeah. but did you say, um, don't you know who I am? <laughs> the, the style of beers I really like, you know, step infusion um, mashing is imperative, you know, like I need, yep. to, be able to, I need to be able to control that mash temp um, yep. and, um, you yeah, that sort of makes the beers I like making. So, um, yeah, once he came around to that, um, he's going to have a total connection though because he thinks there's a wall in between the fermentation area and the brew house and he also thinks that... I've got a roller door hole in the back wall out the back to be able to grain out with and he, he was getting so hung up on the details that I just had to let him play Believe. that part out yeah. and then just modify it so um, to make it suit, yeah. What, what was he so worried about uh, that? It was around distances from the walls to be able to grain out and you know like a, the oh. brewery was originally meant to move um, a little bit closer to the back wall. and which would have given me more space on the on the cellar area, on the fermentation area. But, um, you know, the idea of knocking a wall out to put a roller door in and then opening that up and grain out was just not going to happen. So I yep. just kind of had to let him believe that that was just going to happen and, and then move, <laughs> move the brewery. The brewery literally fits within, I think it was 50 mil each way uh, under the pillars the brewery fits. So it's tight. Oh, wow. Yeah, super tight. Oh, mm. God. Uh, and um, it's obviously slightly smaller than Moo Bruce. Very much so, yeah. One third of the size, nearly nearly exactly one third of the size. So, um, But again, you know, like um, it's um, just designed that, that I can brew on it by myself, you know. Like I could, I could probably punch a double brew out in nine hours and, um, and you know, with the shortage of brewers at the moment in the country and stuff like that, I reckon I'll be on the tools by myself for, for a fair while. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. And lower capacity, Hyperlocal is the new black. You're not looking to send beer off the island anytime soon? I don't think so, no. Um, you know, we've got a candy line that's going to arrive in September. Um, and, you know, there's a few physical constraints in this place as well. Storage is one of those physical constraints, mm -hmm. you know, like we use a lot of the space. So storing cans and gear and packaging gear and stuff, to be able, just being able to gear up to sort of, you know, be able to punch that kind of volume takes a lot of space, yep. you know. And, Space is not something where our tradeway sits underneath the deck. Um, as you walk in the door, you wouldn't even know it's there, but it's yep. in a three and a half metre deep hole underneath that you can climb into. And, um, you know, so that's been a consideration for us. And, um, yeah, so I don't think we'll be sending beer off uh, off the island in the near future, but we also have to make sure that it's going to get over there in, in good nick as well. Yep. Like, you know, hyper-local is a thing because, you know, they always say you should drink beer in the shadow of the brewery. And, and, you know, like, if, if you're drinking Stompy Ground or Kaiju or whatever it is in Melbourne, it's really fresh. Yeah. You know, like, so you need to make sure that your beer is just as fresh when it gets there. Otherwise, there's no competition, you know? Like, yeah. so um, people are drinking hyper-local because they've just got these banging beers that are on their doorstep. What if you hit, hit the home <clears throat> run and, and produce a stone and wood Pacific Ale? Would you ever consider contract brewing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would definitely um, have that conversation and that would be the only way we would expand um, volume. So, 
it would definitely be down the contract path, um, and it'd, it'd have to be Brick Lane or someone like that. You know, I mean, yep. those guys have, um, you know, sort of um, forged a bit of a path themselves in that space, and um, and I think it's exciting. You know, I think it's um, I think it's good to be able to see breweries that you know probably don't have the capital to be able to expand in that way, be able to get hold of a brewer that's got better facilities than most of us. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I mean, to be able to brew on a 50 heck brow cotton or whatever they've got kicking around over there, that's a pretty special piece and of And they're shed. doing another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even Main bigger. Stone and Wood as well. I mean, they're, um, they're in the middle of their capital raising as well. So, yeah. they're, you know, they're talking to the big five in Germany as well. So, I mean, it's alive and well. And and, um, and I don't, you know, it's not as much of a, a dirty word as what it was a little, you know, some yeah, time ago. No, no, no. Mm. no. Uh, mm. As I mentioned to you, the first time we had this conversation tonight before the iPhone shut itself, uh, <laughs> I'm meant to be with John Selton tomorrow night to have a brewer's chat through with his new three beers, his darker beers, and I think Barrel Age is one of them, but uh, my brother's 50th birthday has put an end to that. Uh, I couldn't think of somebody who I'd maybe recommend further than maybe John to be doing that kind of thing. He's just an absolute ripper. Oh, 100%. And I think one of the things about John in that respect is he's just such a humble dude that yeah. when you do go to him, if you do go to him as a contract brewer, like, you're going to get what you ask for, you know? Yeah. Like, there's no ego attached to, to him and, and his um, skill set in what he does and, and he'll know his kit. And um, and I know that they've, you know, they've often talked about the fact that their brewers have had exposure to, you know, other things that they wouldn't have yep. normally had exposure yep. to, um, which has been really important for them as well. So, yeah, yeah it's a bit of a double-edged sword there, I think. And But he's definitely a, um, a solid uh, man to have at the helm. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And uh, CEO Paul Boker, who was in Hobart recently, had a chair to beer. Um, visionary bloke, mm. uh, down to earth bloke, loves Tassie mm. by the way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but uh, yeah, just so humble with all the success that they've had. They're just a great group of people. Zoe Ottaway, the marketing team too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute ripper. So mm. yeah. So tell us um, when we're we going to have the first beer hall style festival at Deep South. Yeah, I don't know, mate. Like we've definitely got the we've definitely got the space for it. So I think we're at the moment we're just sort of trying to find our way and. You know, summer's only just around the corner and we've got a lot of bookings and requests and stuff like that. So we're just trying to, um, it feels like it, it took forever to open, which it did take forever to open. Um, but it, it feels like now we are open that we have to make sure that we nail everything um, yep. each time. And, and so, yeah, we'd definitely be up for it, but, um, you know, it'd have to be um, fully inclusive. Uh, I'd hate to say, oh, look, you can't come because we don't have enough room. You know, yep. like say, so we'd have to make sure that if we were going to do something like that, it would work for absolutely everybody, and and, and we go from there. It's only yeah. three lanes of traffic outside here. We could block them off and go yeah. and have a street party. Oh mate, we've cut that <laughs> we've cut that street up three times. I think since we've been here, since um, yeah, I think we've we've cut the footpath up two or three times. We've cut across Argyle Street. We moved a power pole out the front. So yeah, oh, they're. If we rang them up and said we're going to do that again, that wouldn't be a problem at all. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and what about the first hazy pile? When's that coming from this kit? Uh, it'll be a while. My brother's got a good little pilot system that we'll have a bit of a play around with and um, stuff like that. But, you know, like, my philosophy on that kind of stuff is is that unless it's going to be the same quality as the other beers I produce, then... Um, it's it's just not really, really worth. Are you saying your shit at Hazy's? What's that? Are you saying your shit at Hazy's? <laughs> well, I've never done one, so um, it's never been my thing. Jack uh, has done the Met Moo and, yeah. and stuff like that, and and so um, yeah, I don't think it's 
I don't think there's much to a hazy, but you just got to make sure that the haze is really, really good. And there's a really, there's a lot of benchmarks out there with Boulder and you know Mountain Culture Range, you know those yeah. guys. You know, like so, unless every single time the word hazy is put on a can, automatic recollation of people is just they're just going to be turned around and going well is it as good as DJ's yeah. or is it as good yeah. as Scotty's you know like and if they're not then you don't we'll just want to be that. one of those other also rands because there is also some also rands out there in the market without yeah. throwing any names around I'm not trying to throw any shade but there there's some really great ones but there's also some pretty average ones you don't want to be one of those just oh this is just okay yeah and I, I think that's a bit of an issue with the industry at the moment like I think that um you know, there's probably there's probably some pretty average beers kicking around that um, that people are still enjoying, which is fine. But yep. I don't know whether or not that adds to the tapestry of, of the industry, or and that just highlights the people that are succeeding more, or if that's um, you know, like if that's sort of where the where the palate of the of the general puncher is. You know, like I yeah. mean, they're they're, in, they're unanswerable questions. I think I'm not a hundred percent sure who. Um, Exactly, you know where that where is, that. Because it's saying that a rising tide floats all boats, but even maybe floats shitty boats. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And but the, I mean those shitty boats, you know, a lot of people have invested a lot of money and yeah. time and that kind of stuff. And after building this place, you know, like one of the things that was very humbling for me was the fact that, you know, like I see all these like husband and wife teams and you know a couple of mates who have got a, got a venue together and. I knew how to brew beer and, and yeah. I knew how to run front of house and Ben was a chef. Yep. And we still had an absolutely like nightmarish time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and yeah. so I just can't imagine what it was like for people that, you know, all of a sudden. Everything. Yeah, yeah, like quit your job, you know, like yeah. um, you know, like at least this was all our jobs, you know. We didn't have any this this is it. Like if I don't brew beer, I'll probably drive a forklift, you know what I mean? Yep. Like so um Would you fit in a forklift? I do fit in a forklift, a really nice forklift actually. <laughs> we got a new forklift the other day, which is um put a big two and a half tonner that just fits underneath the mezzanine level. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. It's got a USB charger and everything. It's pretty oh, fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Hey. Um but um you know like so that kind of stuff for us, once we got it open it was that was okay. Like we knew yeah. what we were doing, but to 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 go from, you know, like I want to turn my hobby into a into a you know business is yeah. um super scary yeah 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 no, no mate, i may not take my hat off to you to uh lay it all the line a lot of times just because i've been involved with this for so many years people said oh why don't you get involved with someone to start a brewery it's like i don't have the balls to i just don't i just no when i was at when i was about at uni uh another another thing i said i'd never do but um the first day that we were all there and i think i was the only one gamefully employed at a brewery at the time this was a long time ago this would have been 2007 maybe 2008 and um, Pete Aldred um, you know legend of the industry and yep. uh, one of the first ever educators in the industry um, said oh who wants to own their own brewery and everyone put their hand up but me <laughs> and um, I think I'm one of the only ones that owns their own brewery out of that class now but um, his exact words were don't fuck up a perfectly good hobby by trying to make it a career and, yeah I've um, heard that before yeah and it was um, you know um, yeah I, I clearly didn't listen to him, but um, it was already no. my, it was already my career at the time. But I mean, you know, people like Kev, who's the head brewer of 
um, Moondog. I mean, he was in Adam, who were both, you know, Lee Brewers and Moondog. They were both in that class, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah. I, mm. I know my limitations as a brewer, so I was never going to be the head brewer at my own brewery. <laughs> and I know that I also lack uh, attention to detail. <laughs> so, I'm just like, nah, I don't think that's for me. I think I'll just get a normal job and I'll make this my hobby and enjoy it. I and think that's the thing, you know, like um, a lot of people really sort of hang on to this. Uh, and I know Matt Kirky got from Brews News as well. Yeah. He's very, very yeah. much into that. Uh, into that vibe and, and um, it's a tough gig you know like I did my first double brew days on this system and I've been brewing beer for a long time and double brew days on this system um, they're hard work you know yep. like they're long hours and you know like um, I'm really lucky I, my wife's super supportive of it and, and understands that you know when I leave home at sort of 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning I'm probably not home till 9 o'clock at night and, yeah and um, and that that gets tougher and tougher when you got kids and um, well, she doesn't need you until you need to knock out another kid. Yeah, so that's true. Do yeah. that time, just do what you like. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, is there plans to knock out another kid? I don't know. Well, there will be, I'm sure, at some stage. Yeah, I'm <laughs> no sure pressure. at some stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Maybe not getting any younger. I'm definitely not getting any younger. There's no. a lot of grey in that beard these days. You're yeah. always catching up to me. That's but... exactly right. So, <laughs> that's all yeah, right. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a ride as far as that kind of stuff's concerned. Obviously, having a... Um, a little, uh, a little human in your life um, yeah. makes a lot of what we do here uh, puts it in perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My uh, my little human's about to get his peas. I don't know if I'm yeah. ready for that just yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question I want to know from you tonight is the perfect beer and pizza match you've got at this place. I. I don't have a perfect beer and pizza match, and I have never once thought about matching a beer with a pizza mm-hmm. in this place. Yeah, yeah. So Not the IPA with the meat lovers or something. Or yeah, I haven't done no. a thing, right? Like, so we've used we've used beer in some of the cooking. Oh right. And, I, and I've worked with not um, with one of the other lead chefs here about um, some of the stuff that he's been doing, and we've actually used some. We've actually, um, he came to me one day and he's like, I need some hot pellets. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. What do you want to do with them? He's like, I want to burn them and then infuse the um, burnt hot pellets through honey and then turn it into a dessert. And I was like, you're tripping. But um, it actually worked out really well. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. So we sort of um, grabbed a few hot pellets and um, yeah, burnt them and then cry back some honey and and did that kind of thing. So I'm not a... Um, I've done more beer and food matching dinners than uh, than I'd care to remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but I, I tend not to. We it's not something that we've ever tried to go down the path of here, yeah. and that's because I don't know what you've had to eat that day, or yeah. if you're a smoker or you're not a smoker. Like the one of the things that doing those sort of beer and food matching things was uh, sort of taught me was that. You can you can sort of match anything if it really you know like if you really want to tweak it. Yeah. But we never had a conversation about um, the beers going with um, any particular type of food that we did in the venue. Um, some of the beers used in it, um, and you know, I mean, the oysters are served on our roasted barley. You know, like because you've got this like beautiful sort of black sort of yeah, silky look. Nice, yeah. Um, and. Um, We'll probably play around with some of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Probably end up doing dog business out of spent grain, you know, yeah, like yeah, a few of the other yep. places have done. But yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's um, we don't do flights either. Um, oh, okay. I yeah. didn't even talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's um something that's probably pissed a few people off. I think yep. that we don't do flights, but yep. we're always of the opinion that 
Um, if you want to try it, then come try to the bar. Try it properly. We don't charge you to try it, you know? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Come yeah, up and have a conversation, yeah. and if you want to try the beer, then try the beer. But if, if, if you want to do a series of flights, um, in my experience, the last beer could be sitting there for quite some time. By the time you get there, it's warm and flat. Yeah, fair enough. You know, so, yeah, so there's a few things like that that we've sort of, um, that I've been reasonably adamant about that we're probably not going to do in yeah. that respect. And, and and food matching is one of those things. We'll do, we'll definitely do a, a food and beer uh, dinner. You know, yep. like we'll definitely do something like that for sure. Yep. Um, but it, it, it probably won't be a matching one. It'll just be, you know, like come here, a, come here, have a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah have that's a exactly right. Yeah. yeah, that'll be that'll be probably. And what if we you do. don't do flights, or whatever, you still got plenty of booze downstairs, like in a massive wine list, yeah. an amazing list of uh, spirits as well. So yeah. nobody's going to walk away from this joint feeling unhappy about no, that sort of stuff. No, and the funny thing is, you know, like you, you like no one asks for a flight of wines. You know nah. what I mean? Like, and, nah. and we've got fifty of them on there. We got four beers um, plus two guests and a cider, and we've got fifty wines on the wine list. But yeah. no and ask for a flight of wines and and so um yeah i think for the for the people that we do piss off um i think hopefully they understand that um they're happy to more than happy to come up and try and have a chat with the bartender yep um because we're probably going to be able to pick a better beer for them um later on down the track yeah fair enough fair enough this talk of beer and food's got me hungry the wife's cooking tacos tonight (laughs) so i uh probably need to get on the road and uh, finish (laughs) up the interview so mate um Wish you all the best for this venue. It's absolutely Thanks, amazing. If you're in Hobart, uh, Deep South Brewing, up the top of Argyle Street, uh, come and check it out. It's an amazing venue. It's really awesome. <laughs> I love Cheers. it. So it's just great to see uh, the Hobart Brewing scene alive and well. So thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Appreciate Good it. Thank you. Legend. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.